It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition, and preview edition. You get two for one here this week. Justin Ferguson here in somewhere in Mississippi. Bander Sharpless and Parts Unknown. I can confirm that Parts Unknown is not Mississippi. Uh, but uh, but uh, Painter's Painter's got his bills. He's got his bills. Uh, what, what 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 term do you use for that for that article of clothing? I think I referred to it as a beanie most often. Yeah, me too. It's a beanie. I got the Bills hat going. We're we're big fans. We're we're getting ready for a getting ready for a for a big one today between our beloved Buffalo Bills and uh, who who do they play actually? The Jets. I have Devin. The Jets. That's right. I have Devin Singletary in fantasy. That's why I usually know exactly who they're playing. Just know the Bills are probably going to win uh, most Sundays when they're up. Um, we're here, we're here to recap Auburn's wild 39-33 overtime loss to Mississippi State uh, in football. We're also here to preview uh, Auburn basketball, their opener against George Mason. So it's going to be a two-for-one for you guys. Appreciate you listening. It's been a big week. It's been a busy week. Painted the last time we did the free podcast, Brian Harson was still the head coach at Auburn. And... You know, we just kind of thought that that was going to be the case for the foreseeable future until the end of the season. You know, not to rehash everything. We have bonus podcast um, on the hire of John Cohen as AD and uh, and obviously the firing of Brian Harson as Auburn's head coach. But, um, I mean, Cadillac Williams comes into this job and to hear Cadillac talk about it last night. By the way, if you haven't watched the press conference from Cadillac afterwards. I tweeted it late last night. It's the most emotion I've ever seen in a press conference uh, from a head coach. Um, you just it, it, you know you just need to watch it. Uh, reading the quotes doesn't do it justice. Um, I can say that, and I'm not a guy who usually is like go watch the videos because I'm very bad on video, and that doesn't help me out usually. But no, it's it's definitely worth it's definitely worth uh, uh, checking out. Um, this has been an insane week for Auburn. Uh, I believe there was a shot. I think Justin Hokinson tweeted it. I saw some fans tweeting about it as well during the game. There was a shot during the game where you could tell that um, Will Friend and uh, and I Killyard were like just trying to find the right plays on the play sheet up in the booth. Um, these guys were thrown into a crazy situation. Uh, Auburn parting ways with Brian Harson, parting ways with most of the Boise staff that came in with Brian Harson, It's a makeshift staff. They put Cadillac Williams in charge of it. And, and despite all of that, and despite going down big early, 24-3, this Auburn team, uh, you know, when, you were a, when you're a team like Auburn, and no matter what ESPN tries to tell you about this job and how good it is, when you're a team like Auburn, you're a top 15 program all time, and you have a lot of winning tradition and you have a lot of championship tradition and you know you you were one of you're one of the haves in college football you're not a have not you're not even a have medium there are very few if any opportunities in the grand tapestry that is Auburn football history where you could say Auburn got a moral victory that doesn't happen for teams that are good and big um but in the circumstances and in the situation they had last night, as 
Cadillac Williams and, and his players said after the game, yeah, they, they were mad about losing. They were upset. They felt like they could, could have done it. It stung. It hurt. The mistakes are going to stick out. But for a team that was thrown completely for a loop earlier this week and had to scramble just to get to that point, and then to be down the way they did and the way they fought, they had chances to win that game, and they ultimately came up short. I mean, there's no reason to hang your head. You can call it a moral victory, and you know people will have their different opinions on whether those exist, whether those are real or not. Um, this one definitely was. This this one this one definitely was. This is the we've talked plenty during the Harson era, um, the short lived Harson era, and then and then some during the Gus era. Painter about wins that felt like losses. This is probably the first time I remember a loss for Auburn feeling as close to a win as you can possibly get. Um, you saw it. I mean, we'll talk about the game itself, but I mean, the big narrative, the big story that's going to come out of this one is how much Auburn fought how much they laid it out there, how much energy this team played with in really tough circumstances. You watched it. You're the perspective of the fan on there, on here, Painter. I mean, what was what was your just overall takeaway about just how this Auburn team played at Mississippi State last night? It was, in many ways, the inverse of the previous coach that's been leading us for roughly a year and a half or so. Like, instead of having a couple of good scripted drives at the beginning, Auburn starts flat-footed. And then, you know, they just chipped away, chipped away defense, causing some big turnovers, uh, which obviously the the turnover category had not been generous to us this season. Um, And then, you know... The, the end where you take the lead, unless I'm mistaken, correct me if I've got this wrong. You take the lead, you lose the lead, you take the lead back. The game is tied up. I mean, just a lot of resiliency. I know that's not what people want to hear right now. I get it. It sucks to lose another game. It sucks that you're staring down the barrel of maybe a four-win season. A five's not off the table, though. Good God, Texas A&M. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think... <sighs> Nobody wants to spend their Sunday talking about moral victories, but there was a big vibe shift this week. People were interested. People uh, were happy for their coach, you know, even if he's the interim. People are happy for Cadillac. Um, There's a palpable buzz going into a a game against Texas A&M. I don't don't know um, what the stadium's going to look like, but I think the environment, I think the energy's going to be really good for two bad teams. This is going to be, I think, atmosphere-wise, I think this is going to rival Iron Bowls and and Georgia games and LSU games. You know, the stakes, it might not hit hit the peak just because of the stakes just not being there. Although it's funny, the loser of this game between A&M and Auburn because they're both on five-game losing streaks, the winner of that game still can make a bowl. The loser is done. Um, They will just have to play out the rest of the season. Obviously, that's a lot different for Auburn, a team that's going through a coaching search compared to Texas A&M, who is paying uh, Jimbo Fisher uh, more money uh, than uh, some small countries' GDPs uh, to not be able to do anything uh, on offense. Um, however, I know uh, A&M's got some real, uh, real injury issues, but still, they were they were not in a great situation to begin with. I- anyway, this. The vibe shift, I think that's a great way to put it. You talk to these players after the game, you see them uh, on the sidelines, and it's just, let me tell you, second half of that game, 
Auburn looked like they were going to win that game because they looked like they believed. And Mississippi, I mean, that, that, that state was flat. And, you know, a stadium can only be so flat when you have cowbells. But um, it was still just kind of kind of lifeless on the sidelines for Mississippi State. And in the end, Auburn made too many mistakes to win uh, this game. Um, and we'll talk about them. But, um, I mean, Cadillac Williams had, had those guys believing. And this interim staff had them believing. And, you know, I think Colby Wooden said it best after the game where he said, you know, the story of our season is that, you know, we we might start off well and then we would just have no fight in the second half and it just wouldn't – it just would fall apart. And I think these teams would continue to play hard. I thought they played hard in the second halves of those games that they that they fell flat in. Um, but the actual fight showing up on the scoreboard – and taking it to a next level, it definitely happened. Um, and these players, these players, like you know, no, nobody said a negative word um, or a backhanded thing about Brian Harson at all. And I'm not surprised. Um, that's just that's just who these dudes are. Um, but pretty much everybody could tell that there was just something different this week in practice. And I think Cadillac, being an Auburn guy. Um, got him to that point. And I mean, this was this was against a lot of odds. They were down 24 to 3. And this is a team again that outside of the old miss game where they got a little competitive in the second half with them and came back, they had not actually come all the way back at any point this season. They had been the team that had either had the leads and then blown them or missed opportunities early to stay in the game. This one was different. This one was really really different. Let's start with the defense because, I mean, it looked like it looked like Mississippi State was just about to pick apart pick them apart for the first first few drives. I think if 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 Mike Leach wouldn't have gotten bored on that second drive or second or third drive and and like stopped doing the things that were working, um, he could have had a you know it, it could have been twenty eight to three easy. It could have been really really like that. Um, they were picking apart in the middle of the the field. Um, they were really picking on Auburn's linebackers. They were just doing whatever they wanted to do. And then it just, there was a shift. Auburn had nine straight drives where Mississippi State had nothing. They didn't get anything. Hardly any yards, too. Forced for four turnovers during that stretch. Had a couple turnovers on downs. Um, what changed with the defense? Schematically, Nothing. That's every I asked every single player, every defensive player. I said, "Hey man, what changed about the defense?" They said, "Nothing." We may have tweaked some calls, we might have changed a couple of things up, but nothing big. We just played our game. And I think that's important because when you play a Mike Leach team, I think, you know, Leach is obviously a, a smart guy and he's very innovative on the offensive end, but the Mike Leach offense is very um you know what you're going to get. You know? The joke is you call the same four plays. And Auburn stuck to their guns. They stuck to their game plan, which, I mean, I think they absolutely had to do in the circumstances they were in. But they started executing. Derek Hall played like his hair was on fire. He made a really good point after the game. He said this is the last time he was going to play a football game in the state of Mississippi, his, his home. And he wanted to give it all, and he did. He had a great game. Colby Wooden, great game. Marcus Harris, great game. Jeffrey Embaugh, how about that dude? That dude coming up with a huge strip sack. Where's that guy been? Where's that guy been? Here's the thing. Auburn's defensive staff, I don't think changed at any point. 
I think all of the I think all the on field coaching moves were either head coach or or offense. So it's the same defensive staff. Here's the one big change that Auburn made on defense that I think a lot of people have been crying out for, and it made a real difference on Saturday. They rotated. I'll give you a list. I'll put it in the observations. Not all of you who listen are subscribers, but I do want to read this out because it's a good point. Here's a list of guys who made some sort of play, some sort of tackle, some sort of statistic on Auburn's defense on Saturday night against Mississippi State that you probably hadn't heard about, probably hadn't heard from as much here recently this season. Not all these guys are brand-new names, but they were either guys you haven't seen much this year or you haven't seen since the beginning of the season. Here we go. Caden Bridges, Caleb Wooden. Now, Caleb Wooden started in place of um, Donovan Kaufman, so those safeties at least make some sense uh, because Kaufman was out. Cam Riley, J.D. Rim, Jake Levant, Barton Lester. Those are those last two guys are two walk-on linebackers who are out there making plays for Auburn. Jeffrey Embaugh, uh, Marquise Gilbert, Morris Joseph Jr., Marquise Burks, Dylan Brooks. Auburn rotated on defense. Some most defensive players Auburn's played all season. Just going to go ahead and say that. <laughs> significant significant reps. Um, Owen Papo ta- talked about after the game, you know, how proud he was of those walk-on linebackers for making plays. And he said, hey, he gave me some momentum, gave me, gave me some of my legs back on some drives. Auburn rotated their defensive line. And in the second half, those guys are fresher and ready to attack. I don't know why Auburn hasn't rotated. That was kind of the thing under Brian Harson both under Derek Mason and now under Jeff Schmetting. But those guys are rotated. And I don't know if that was strategic or was, uh, hey, all hands on deck because we all got a band together from the week we just had. Either way, man, it worked. It worked. And it looked a lot more like – this team's still pretty thin at some areas, like inside linebacker and like edge rusher. But they did a really good job, I thought, of the defensive staff of keeping guys locked in. It's not surprising at all to see them go on a streak where they have nine straight drives where Mississippi State can't do anything because, um, you know, you you actually had some guys with some legs under them. It was a huge, it was a huge change in this game. I'd love to know why all the reasons behind that. Uh, Maybe we'll hear a little bit more about it in the future, but it just seemed like an it for an interim staff. This was such an easy win that the last staff wasn't doing. Offense wasn't giving you a lot for a good chunk of that game. Yeah. And it, it was never pretty offensively, but they were able, obviously, I mean, they got 30 points plus. So defense kept you around. It was, it was like you say, just a slight tweak here or there. Uh, something I know you'd question is Auburn has some talent in, on the roster. It's not using all of it. Uh, right. It'd be a good question to find out if, if, uh, I mean, I think I have an answer for that, but it'd be an interesting question to hear from their mouths why they decided to change that now. Yeah, it's definitely something you want to uh, want to ask Cadillac on Monday um, for sure. I'm sure that will be asked. Um, I know the guy, Mark Murphy, was asking players about it um, because the man is a professional and he's one of the very best to ever do it. Offensively, you were saying like you know didn't get a whole lot. I. Let's start with the bad, then we'll go to the good. The bad is, uh, you know, Robbie Ashford made had a really good game last week through the air. And I think a combination of changing up the offensive staff, just so many changes on the offense, 
he talked about the rain. It was misting. The ball was flipping out of his hands a little weird uh, throughout the game. Look, you know, Will Rogers had some had some struggles as well, but he had finished with a pretty good line. And he's, you know, a guy who all he does is throw the ball 700 times a season. But hey, he just he just didn't play well. He just didn't play well. And ultimately, it's on him. He misfired on some open guys. He missed some open guys downfield. Um, missed throwing to some of them, uh, some open receivers uh, in key situations. Had that fourth down miss where you know, Auburn was going to play aggressive. Um, as Colby Wooden said after the game, he said, we're playing with house money. You know, bet on ourselves. And so Auburn was aggressive. Two-point conversions going forward on fourth down. Most of them probably backfired. Uh, but you got life. You got a team motivated. You did exactly what you were supposed to do because, you know, most likely heading into this game, you felt like Auburn needed to catch some fire just to make it to a bowl game. So they went. They gambled. They got. They kept people engaged. But it's just, and look, Ashford made a couple of really good throws. Uh, it's just way too inconsistent on the short stuff. Um, and then you played a team against Mississippi State that just could get a lot of that easy stuff. And then in the end of the game, to set themselves up, they just kept packing away, packing away, and Auburn never really had that with them. Um, Ashford still made a ton of great plays when, when things broke down. He scrambles well. Auburn's pass pro hung him out to dry a few times in the first half. Um, but... I think the one good tweak we saw in this game was that Auburn legitimately used him uh, as a runner, as a, you know, this isn't a situation where, oh, we'll let you run if you scramble or we might call a couple plays for you in this game, um, you know, for all those, all those, you know, purposes. Um, he legitimately was a running threat in this game. Um, this is from PFF. Looked like Robbie took. Let's see. Looks like he had. Looks like he had eight design runs on Saturday, four scrambles. That looks right. Um, his two touchdowns he had. Well, one of them was a scramble. He had that that second touchdown he had. They just ran quarterback power and and just let the let the guys eat on the edge. I thought Luke Deal had a few huge blocks in this game, finishing finishing it off. You, if you have a little bit more of a passing game, if the offense was just the offense was just mediocre or average in the first half, you're probably in a different situation because there were so many opportunities that you had to score because the defense was giving you great field position, um, and you weren't able to fully capitalize. And that's something we've seen from Auburn all year, right? They don't. They don't finish drives. We wrote about it earlier in the week. They just they just have a really bad finishing drive. And you wouldn't think under new staff that's just going to magically get better. Um, but the good thing they did is they used Ashford's legs a lot more, and that opened some things up. Uh, Auburn's offensive line really went to work in the second half. Um, you know, the rate of stopped runs went down. The rate of negative runs went down. Tank was – Tank only had three carries that went for more than three yards, but, man, all three of them were huge uh, for Auburn. Uh, Jarquez Hunter, another Mississippi kid, coming up with that that go-ahead touchdown late. He ran really hard. He played really hard. Uh, that's a three-headed monster back there. And, and this, you know, barring a miracle in the Iron Bowl, which, I don't know, your, your results may vary on how much of a miracle it'll be. Um, it looks like, well, it is on the road, but 
I will say Bama losing multiple games for the Iron Bowl for the first time since 2010. It's going to be just weird to to realize. And you know, this isn't this ne- this is not the ultra dominant Alabama team we thought they were going to be this year. Either way, um, you know, this is probably it. You're probably going to only get three more games this season. The fact that they can run it with Robbie, the fact that they can run it with Tank, and they, the fact that they can run it with Jarquez, Demari Austin also get moonlighting a little bit in this game. It means a lot. It, it's this team looked like they were just not going to be able to take advantage of their best weapons this season, and then something changed the Ole Miss game. And, look, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Mississippi State aren't murderers row of run defenses. I think we all can see that. I think we all can, think we all can understand that. Um, but what we did see is that they, they figured it out. And this offensive line still has their issues. They still have their problems. Um, they had a very, very bad start to this game, our run blocking. Um, but – you know, they've they've got something cooking, and you know maybe back at home, you may see a little bit if the weather's better. Maybe back at home, you see Robbie Ashford kind of click more um, through the air, and that would help a lot. Um, but the fact that you were able to get as much as you did out of this out of this uh, offense, um, especially in the second half, I think is I think you know speaks wonders. Or, you know, says wonders about this team. By the way, in case you're wondering. Um, run defense. Texas A&M currently 120th in America, uh, averaging nearly five yards of carry. Um, it's worse than Auburn this year. Um, the only teams worse than it are Tulsa Army, Charlotte, Georgia Southern, Stanford, Arizona, Louisiana Tech, Colorado, South Florida, Hawaii. Those were teams that were were behind Auburn, only behind Auburn heading into last weekend. Then of course you played air raid team that can't run the ball super effectively. That helps the old average out if you're Auburn's defense, but Auburn's defense legitimately played well. Uh, made some great plays in the backfield. I think they finished with 10 tackles for loss in this one. Either way, I mean, there's going to be opportunities for Ashford and for Bigsby and for Hunter against um, Texas A&M next week. And if you can just get a little bit more out of your passing game, I mean, in that environment with the way A&M's been playing, the way A&M's been banged up, they got so many injury problems. If you just get a little more out of Robbie Ashford and they get some more consistency, I mean, Auburn's, Auburn's got a real chance to beat that A&M team next week, 100%. I mean, they, they, A&M just gave up nearly 300 rushing yards to, to Florida. Uh, I think Auburn's going to be able to go to work in that game. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, even d- despite not being able to move the ball through the air, Auburn did find a way to get yeah. down the field, and it found a way to do it when it mattered most. I mean, they scored quickly to go back up late in the game. You can yeah, point no, to Robbie's struggles through the air, but I am genuinely and, and impressed. He had that huge, he had that huge throw to Javarius Johnson, like on a game where nothing was working through the air. He had like the one they absolutely had to get on third and long. He got it. So I mean, like there's still some pieces there. He's just very inconsistent as a passer. He has been all season. He runs the ball so well, and he scrambles so well that he's your best option. Especially now that T.J. Finley looks like he might be done playing football at Auburn, uh, which is not a surprise, but. Robbie, Robbie's been through a lot this season. This offense has been through a lot. This team's been through a lot. And I just think that fighting and that and that just not backing down and keeping keep plugging away is is very indicative of this team. But that backfield especially, and I, and I count Tank and Jarquez in there uh, with it. All right, let's talk about um, the real big problems in this game. And um, look, I I hate I hate calling out 
specific guys, especially college players. They're unpaid. Um, you know, it's just tough. I, I've never been very super comfortable in doing that. Um, that might be a flaw of me as a writer, but just how how it is. But I mean, this is kind of unavoidable um, at this point. Um, Anders Carlson is just it's just not there. It's just not there anymore. You know, I thought I thought earlier in the year when he was kicking some of those field goals, I just remember just being in the stadium, just being like, "This doesn't have the same juice that it did." And look, man, the dude tore his ACL last year on his plant leg, like that. That does something. But not being able to kick the ball through the end zone. It's to, and it's not like they're trying this junk. Now, of course, they were doing it to squib and stuff like that to try to, you know, manipulate it as best as possible when it was very clear that, I mean, Carlson's just not putting the ball in the end zone anymore. And that's tough. That's a really tough spot to be in. You miss a short field goal in overtime. And look, I mean, Mississippi State scored a touchdown anyway. So, I mean, it changes a little bit, but um, – you know, maybe changes the flow of things in the sec- in, in the overtime period, but you know it's again like Auburn still needed to get a stop to to put him in that position, um, where you know even if he had hit the field goal to keep that game going uh, or or win it, I should say. Um, yeah, I mean it's just I it it doesn't it doesn't look like he's got the juice anymore with his leg, and it hurt, it hurt Auburn. I mean they that that kickoff return for a touchdown in the grand scheme of things meant so much in this game. And Auburn fought back and even took the lead off of it, you know, after it. Um, but the special teams, it was just, you know, a significant EPA uh, increase for, for Auburn from that. That's going to come back and bite you. You know, the squib kick and then the face mask on it that gets you to the 50 late, that hurt. That hurt a lot. Um, State was able to just get a short field to drive on and kick that field goal to tie it back up. And then, man, Sean Jackson. I accidentally called him Justin Jackson because I have former – he might still be in the league. uh, Northwestern running back Justin Jackson's on my brain. But also, Justin Jones is a walk-on running back and Sean Jackson's a walk-on running back. Just kind of fused in my head. I accidentally called him that in the observations if you have the email. Sorry about that. Um, But Sean Jackson – that was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen because – um, and there was confirmation from the Mississippi State side after the game I heard was that, no, they weren't trying onside kick. That was a squib that just hit that – hit Jackson like a rocket. Then again, it was the onside kick against Ole Miss. There were some issues with that with those front with that front group. I thought I thought Cadillac Williams, the quote he had on that was, was huge. And he said, look, it ain't on winning the kid's fault. It's ain't on one any one kid, and I would I would also you know I'm I'm paraphrasing Cadillac here. I'm gonna extend that to Anders as well. He was like, I told him all week, you know, serve and believe, serve and believe. And he said on Saturday, I said we got to be disciplined. Well, Auburn had more penalties than they had all year, and uh, made some mental mistakes that cost him the game. He said that's on me. He's like, his quote was, I, I I'm a believer that you are what you emphasize, and I didn't emphasize that enough, and that's on me. And uh, look, I think Brian Harson. I think Brian Harson went up and said, "Hey, this starts with me a lot in his press conferences." But the just the forthcoming <laughs> that this dude is in a tough situation in his first game as a head coach, and him saying, "Yeah, blame me, blame me for losing this game." It's just wow. I mean, I know there's a lot of Auburn fans that just love hearing that from him. But yeah, got the di- got to get the discipline up. 
got can't make these mental mistakes. But then again, it's like your whole team changes on Monday and you scramble and you're all week scrambling. Cadillac said he had about ten hours of sleep all week. His staff was up there with him till one, two, three in the morning in the in the in the complex, just trying to get a game plan together. Like I said, Hilliard and Friend <laughs> were just trying to find plays on the play sheet. There's a good Cadillac quote in there that I didn't use, uh, that I didn't get around to. Let me see if I can let me see if I can find it. Yeah, when you practice an offense one way for eight weeks and then you get a bombshell hit on you like that, you're trying to coordinate everything that goes into it. Y'all don't understand, man. I'm telling y'all how proud I am of those kids and what happened. We were believing, but there were whispers of, whoa, is this about to be I'm talking about the, the 24-3 deficit? And he said, we just kept saying, keep it close. It'll be much better next week, though. Much better. We'll have time to teach. We're tweaking the schedule. We're giving the guys a day off tomorrow. I have a captain's practice where they go in and watch film and work out on their own, and our coaches can move forward from this game. We'll practice on Monday, and it'll be more organized, and I'll put the kids in the better, in better position. These kids fought. They fought. 100%. Like, it's going to look cleaner next week. It's going to look cleaner at home. It's going to be more organized. It's going to be more. But the fact that they were, had all that stuff and they still almost beat Mississippi State at home, coming off an off week, like, there's something about the just the talent that's still on this Auburn football team and just the pure drive and energy and work ethic from these guys. It can go a long way. And it's it's one of those things where I say Auburn has a bounce-back ability we saw it in 2013. I think we could see it again in 2023. I know there's, the roster is going to look different. I know it's going to depend on who the coach is and who they bring in and the transfers and recruiting and all that. But I'm telling you, for a lot of teams that they play on their schedule, Auburn's still going to have a lot of talent compared to them. And even in this, even in these crazy circumstances, they still almost beat this Mississippi State team. And it just it to me it just shows what this team is capable of and the potential of it. And um, we'll see who Auburn ends up hiring as their head coach. We will see what all that looks like. Um, you know, and, and, and what their philosophies on staffing are. But if there was ever a guy who deserves to stay on a staff for another year, for another, another, I mean, to go into his third. And Auburn's had that in the past. There's been several assistants that were there for multiple, under multiple staffs. Um, but, I mean, Cadillac Williams, I mean, put his soul <laughs> into it. <laughs> I, I know y'all got to see it on the on TV a lot, but I bet the man ran about 35 miles on the sidelines in that game. Zach Etheridge, by the way, Zach Etheridge says he didn't pull his hammy. Uh, but, uh, I mean, they they were getting after it, man. And it was, it was, I mean, for me, I know that I know a lot of people are proud of it. And I guess, Pantery, you know, you as a fan, like, just watching those guys go go like that in those in those circumstances had to be. I mean, you had a little bit of energy, you had a little bit of life, right? We had talked about in, in weeks past how checked out everybody kind of felt, and I think even the loss stung more than than they have in the past because it was like it was it was there, and they just put so much into it. I had a friend who pointed out what probably a lot of people felt in the build up to the game, which was that. Um, as a kid, you know, Cadillac was essentially a hero to a lot of people roughly our age, like if you were in elementary school Absolutely. or middle school. And so yep. it was, I thought, a, a pretty common sentiment that this guy that you've known in some capacity, you don't know him, but he's been in your life as an Auburn football fan for two decades. 
and you see him get this opportunity in this weird situation. He did he did all the right things. He said all the right things. He pushed all the right buttons. The team looked bad at first, and then they come back and almost win it. I mean, yes, you didn't get the storybook finish, but you got almost everything out of that experience, out of the, the first Cadillac yeah. experience as your head coach. And, um, you know, I think for a person a certain age, this particularly hit home. Yeah, I think if you're a, I think if you're a millennial, maybe a little older, this one, this one, this one really, really stuck with you. And uh, tell you, ain't, ain't nobody who, ain't nobody out there who's gonna give more for Auburn and Auburn football than Cadillac Williams is. And so it's, it's, yeah, and, and I feel like you know, other guys would have been the same in that situation. But it's just something about Cadillac. It's something about the the fact that he is the dude who was the holdover from the Malzahn staff. That he's been with these guys longer than anybody else has. You just you can just tell a difference. You can just tell a lift. And again, like we said earlier, Saturday night against A and M is going to be that atmosphere is going to be nuts. Tiger Walk is going to be insane. I don't know how well it came across on TV, but the Auburn fans that traveled to Starkville were loud. They made their presence felt in that stadium, especially as State was really, really just kind of. I mean, there was a lot more booze than anything uh, from State fans there in the second half until the very end. Um, but man, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a wild atmosphere and, and, uh, it's against a team that it looked early. I thought I was going to be a moron and say, I was going to look like I was a moron and say like, well, you know, Mississippi State's not a bad matchup for an interim head coach. And then they were down 24, three. And I was like, well, I look like an idiot. Um, but lo and behold, they fought back. And I think A&M's for a home game is going to be, I mean, if you're going to catch anybody right now, it probably is that A&M team. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild one. But uh, I know a lot of Auburn fans are very proud of their team. Again, it's the closest thing you're gonna get to a moral victory, whether you want to claim it or not. If you're a program like Auburn, they can take this loss. That locker room was upset, that was hurt, but they're gonna take that loss. And apparently, hungry. A lot of said after, yeah, Colby Wooden's hungry. Somebody needs to feed the man. But spirits are a lot higher than they were a week ago. There's a lot that's going to change for Auburn football here in the next few months, but I think this one, I think a lot of people are going to, it's going to be one of those losses people look back on and say, hey, remember that? Remember that game? <laughs> remember when Auburn came back from tw- 21 down with coaches trying to figure out how to how to call plays? It's just pretty incredible. Pretty incredible stuff. All right, we will uh, we'll wrap up here. Um, with the second half of the show about Auburn basketball and their opener against George Mason on Monday night. But before we do that, first off, want to give a little want to give a little shout out to a lot of you. Um, this past week, obviously, with all the news happening um, and with basketball getting going, uh, huge week for the Observer. Um, we have uh, uh, we've talked about it in the past. Uh, lost a few folks uh, during the, uh, the 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 waning uh, football season. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're back. We're back. We've, we've got more, we've got more subscribers than we've ever had at any point, uh, right now, um, which is pretty cool to see. And, uh, that'll keep going. Um, if you're, if you're listening to this and you want to subscribe to the observer, it's only $6 a month or $60 a year. You get all of our podcasts. You get the friends of the program podcast. You know, last week we had, had four podcasts last week, three of them were premium. Um, you can get all those, uh, if you subscribe, um, and you get all the newsletters as well. Um, so last week, writing about coaching candidates, we writing about John Cohen. There'll be more of that. Cohen, uh, Cohen's going to get introduced on Tuesday. So look for something on that. 
Auburn basketball, again, as, as we said, will start. I have deep coverage on them. Um, and then the rest of football season and what happens ahead. It's going to be a lot of stuff, and uh, we're trying to give you your money's worth through it. So $60 a month, $60 a year. Sign up at auburnobserver.com. If you're getting this through an email, it's an easy button to click on and subscribe there. Thank you guys so much uh, for supporting us and getting on board uh, with the Observer because uh, this is a wild week. It's a crazy week. You know, uh, I feel like it took about a year off my life, but, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for any any other crew, any other uh, audience, any other partner and painter, and, and also any other uh, way to do about uh, do this. Doing it our way and, and doing it uh, through the Observers has been so much fun. Uh, there's also a way you can help us out uh, without paying any money, um, any additional money, that is. Whether you're a subscriber to The Observer or not, you can help us out by uh, doing what, Painter? Reading, reviewing, subscribing. Go to your favorite podcast app. Search The Auburn Observer. Scroll down, hit the five stars, leave a little one or two lines. You can leave longer than that, but if you leave a line or two, it should only take you about 20 seconds and mash that subscribe button. Spotify, you can follow Uh, and you can rate. I do not believe you can review on Spotify yet, but uh, most of you probably have both of those, and we appreciate when you rate, review, and subscribe. means a lot. And if you give us a review on on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the air. We will shout you out. We will massage our own egos um, because that's the way we we roll, baby. All right. um, Also, want to shout out our friends, uh, at Homefield Apparel uh, for continuing to uh, to help us out. Uh, if you want to buy some Auburn Observer uh, T-shirts, uh, our most comfortable T-shirt money can buy, navy heather sweatshirt with the Auburn Observer logo on it. Very, very clean, very, very, uh, very subtle, um, very, all those fancy words. Uh, you can, uh, you can, you can buy one at homefieldapparel.com. You can also buy a lot of really cool Auburn apparel, uh, whether it's, you know, if you want to get your basketball t-shirts ready for the season, you want to get hoodies, you want to get sweatshirts, painter's got a, painter's got a nice hoodie on right now. It's, it's that time of year. It's hoodie season. Um, I got my, uh, I, I'm wearing a Troy shirt right now, um, from home field. Uh, yeah, it's that time of year. It's that time of year. Stock up, you know, painter, it's November. We can officially say Christmas is around the corner. Although you've been saying that since like April, but yeah, I mean, this is gonna be a perfect time to get your orders in. They're gonna have a huge, uh, huge sales all throughout the month of uh, month of November and heading into the holidays. You're gonna want to get on it. Homefieldapparel.com. Um, six uh, six dollars a month. Wow, I almost said, if you could get six dollars a month from Homefield, that'd be really nice. Um, no, but you can get fifteen percent off a of Homefield uh, if it's your first order by using the promo code Observer. Like I said, check it out. Uh, buy your Observer T-shirts and. Um, uh, be the cool nerd uh, about Auburn sports at your uh, family functions. All right. Let's talk Auburn basketball. Season opener on Monday night against George Mason. We uh, we recapped the UAH game, the exhibition, on our premium podcast. So if you want to hear that, uh, check out uh, check out our, our subscriptions uh, and, uh, and get on board with that. But let's talk about this George Mason game specifically. Painter, George Mason is spicy. This is, a spicy, this is a spicy little opener. George Mason is not a team that had a winning record last season. This is not a team that made it to the tournament. They actually got bounced in the first round of the A-10 tournament. But uh, Kim English, Kim English is their, is their uh, head coach. You may remember Kim, Kim English from his time at Missouri. Um, he was an assistant at a, uh, for several people, including one 
Rick Barnes at Tennessee. He's got a player uh, that he brought with him from Tennessee that is their leading rebounder uh, and is one of uh, their best one of their best players. I just blank Devontae Gaines. I didn't I almost said I almost said uh, Deontay Gaines. Devontae Gaines brought with him from Tennessee. Joshua Duro's six nine senior who led the A ten in scoring. Um, he had seven and a half rebounds a night. This Painter, this this George Mason team last year beat Georgia wire to wire, which wasn't a huge accomplishment, but it's still for a for a mid major beating a team like an SEC team is still a big deal on the road. They beat Maryland. Um, on the road, which is always a big deal. And then they gave Kansas all they wanted. A Kansas team, remember, that later won the national championship. They gave Kansas all they wanted in Allen Fieldhouse. That ended up being a single-digit game, um, at least for most of the second half. Um, George Mason is going to come in here and give Auburn a real fight. Ken Palm currently has Auburn projected to win by 15. I don't know if the betting line's out yet. It'll be interesting. Uh, this this George Mason team's got a ton of experience coming back. A ton of experience. A lot of a lot of seniority. A lot of we talked about Adura. We talked about Gaines. They take a ton of threes. They're a top one hundred team that um in the country in making threes. So that's going to be a thing. But they also have inside scoring with Adura with Gaines. Um, they're going to be a balanced offense. Um, in terms of like where they can attack you, I do think they are going to take a lot of threes though. Uh, in this one, defensively. Uh, they don't gamble a lot. They don't force a lot of turnovers. Um, you know, they they try to make you earn it um, and and really really make you work the shot clock, which helps them because George Mason was a bottom ten team last season in the country in bench minutes. They play a very shallow rotation. Uh, their top, uh, they all five of their starters last season or regular starters last season averaged more than thirty minutes a game. Painter, do you know how many? How many times Auburn? Uh, how many players for Auburn averaged thirty minutes a game last season? How many? Zero. None. Zero. This is a team that plays heavy, heavy minutes. They've got experience coming back. They may have a little bit more depth. This will be year two under under Cam English, so you may may expect some changes. Uh, but this is going to be a test pair of of Auburn. You know, as per, uh, Bruce Pearl said, the greatest strength is our depth. That's what we're going to go to over and over again. And for Auburn to do that. This is the perfect opportunity where you have a team that's got some got some real firepower on offense, got some real experience. And for Auburn, it's just going to be a case of can you run them to death? Because <laughs> they don't want to play fast. Uh, they play a slow play, but play a slow pace. They run an offense and a defense that that counter to that, and they don't they don't go deep on their bench. And for Auburn, it's got to be like, hey, if you're a ten man rotation, which is what Pearl says they'll probably be on Saturday, or I'm sorry, on Monday. Um, you gotta, you, you just gotta make them pay. You gotta make them pay. You got to use that depth. And I think this is a game where the fact that you haven't had a ton of separation between your starters and your non-starters, at least from what we saw in the UAH game, and they'll change the starting lineup probably in this one and, and move some pieces around. I think that's gonna help you because you don't drop off. You're gonna maybe want to see some separation at some point. You know, when when the going gets tough and and you and you're getting to the really tough games of your season, but to this point, if you feel like you have 10 guys that can play a lot and they have like five or six that they really trust, you're the more athletic team, you're the faster team, you're the more physical team, you're playing at home. Use that to your advantage. That's going to be big for Auburn. Get out and run. Um, create some turnovers. Get some one-and-done possessions. 
maybe take some long rebounds to try to try to. I would expect Wendell Green Jr. to try to speed this thing up as much as much as he can. So this is a really interesting matchup. I I fully expect George Mason to be in it for most of this game. I I really do. Um, if all if they don't and Auburn comes out and blitzkriegs them and and just uh, you know is comfortable, that's a really really good sign. Um, but I, I think this is a feisty George Mason team that's going to stick around. But I could see Auburn playing a really close first half with them, and then at some point in the second half, just just wearing them down. That that to me is where this this thing's kind of lining up. Bruce is the king of finding those sneaky matchups. Like nobody is going to look at George Mason and be like, "Well, that's just a that's a brutal team on Auburn's schedule." But when you start looking at the numbers, uh, formidable on defense. I think you're right. The tempo that they're going to play at seems to serve us well if we can push tempo and not turn the ball over, which, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're some, right. I think Had some turnover issues against UAH for sure. Second half, probably where we create some separation. It's a nice first matchup. It's a nice first matchup. It really is a nice first matchup, and Bruce said it. He joked at his press conference on Friday. He said, okay, this is the time where I come in and tell you that George Mason's going to win the national title and, um, you know, and he was kind of poking fun at himself and also kind of poking fun at us and the fan base of how like he always always does that. But there's a lot of good things to say about George Mason. Uh, he's got a relationship with Kim English. Uh, seems to respect him. I think Kim English is 34, and he's a D1 coach in his second year. So it makes, really puts you know my success level in, into perspective. This is a really fun opening night uh, game. The Aduro matchup is going to be fun to watch because uh, Auburn um, – has some injury concerns right now, has some health concerns. Friday when we talked to Bruce, they did not have Alan Flanagan. They didn't have Jalen Williams. They didn't have Jalen Harper either at practice um, because of illness, migraine for Jalen, uh, stomach bug for for Al. They, they're expected to play on Monday. Um, and he says he thinks that – he thinks that Jani Broom's going to play on Monday. Uh, Jani Broom – Obviously, was kind of for those of you who watched the game on on Wednesday night, was kind of going through it uh, with a bum ankle that he had um, he had been uh, you know dealing with for a little while now uh, from the preseason. Um, he'd been in a walking boot. He didn't practice on Friday, um, and they they were hoping they'd get him back because they need him for a Duro. And then on top of that, you need you know a Duro, and you need to have a good center to compete. Broom is obviously a really good rim protector, really good inside defender. This is a really big opportunity, really big game for uh, for for Dylan Carwell to bounce back. He did not have his best stuff against UAH, and uh, man, if they could get a bounce back game from Carwell, that would be huge uh, in a number of areas just because of how good of a matchup Adura is against Gaines. Probably going to see a lot of Janai. I mean, sorry, a lot of Yoan Treor and Jalen Williams matched up on him. Uh, Yoan's going to be playing in his first college game. Uh, remember, he's still kind of new to basketball. I think Devontae Gaines has been a college player about as long as, as Yoan Treor has been a basketball player, period. Uh, so that'll be a uh, that'll be a fun matchup. Jalen, though, coming off of a really awesome exhibition, same thing for Alan Flanagan. If those guys are fully healthy and, you know, recover from their from their illnesses over the weekend, they're going to be interesting matchups. Yeah. Uh, George Mason not really as guard um, centric. I mean, the, the, their guards shoot a lot and they hit a lot. Um, I think that's the kind of main thing they put a lot of shooters out there on the floor. But be a good game for Auburn's wings and guards to try to, you know, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green Jr., Zeb Jasper to really say, hey, 
the quality of our team, you know, can really be in the in the backcourt and 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 make uh, some sort of some sort of statement. They didn't shoot well in in, in game one or in exhibition one. I wouldn't expect Auburn to come out and shoot shoot forty percent from deep against George Mason, but um, if they take a step forward in that area and take care of the ball better, um, you know, I think that's a that's an area of advantage because more of the star power for George Mason is contra- concentrated at the four and the five. I don't expect this to be a good three-point shooting team. Really hope I'm wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times. That's one I'd like to be wrong on. Uh, but competency, <laughs> that's that's all I'm looking for with some of what they've got on this roster. Like in other spots, I, I, just just be competent. Yeah. And, and we've talked about the ramp they've got. They don't have to be awesome coming out the gates. But I right. just want to see some competent shooting from deep. I think if they're just an average three-point shooting team, this is a really dangerous offense. Um, just because of the depth that they have, the inside scoring that they've got, the slashers that they have, the you know, just the ability to to, to attack you in a variety of ways. Um, they just need to be average from three-point shooting. Good news is their first few games are all at home. They can kind of get comfortable um, and some matchups that aren't going to be as big as them physically, not as especially the back um, and you know the backcourt. You, know, you should be able to. It's not like you're going to have like these just locked down, stifling de- defenders back there, um, early on at least. Now I wouldn't be surprised if George Mason's got some uh, got some dudes back there. Just uh, there's just a lot of experience on this team coming back. Just a a ton uh, of experience. Um, just a a very shallow rotation on top of that. Um, but yeah, like last season, George Mason. Yeah, they were 230th in the in the country in three point defense. They didn't steal the ball very much. Um, Opponents took a ton of threes on them because they felt like they could because uh, they packed it in and, and sold out for the defensive rebounds. They don't play in transition well. I mean, like they 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 do what a they do what a methodically paced team you would ex- you would expect them to do on defense. So it's gonna be an interesting interesting game for sure. I'm interested to see. You know, Bruce said uh, ten man rotation. You can expect. Um, I think we all know who the who who the spots are there. You know, Wendell and Trey Donaldson at the one, uh, KD and Zep at the two in some order, Allen and Chris at the three, uh, Yoan and Jalen at the four, and then, of course, uh, as we said earlier, Janai and, and Dylan at the five. I think if Auburn gets in some foul trouble, I think Stretch can steal some minutes for you, uh, as as you saw in the exhibition. Um, and then, of course, you also got Leo Berman who can help you out because um, he's actually he's been through the fire a little bit. In these games that count, uh, over at the two and the three, no chance Westry yet. Um, you know it's probably still week or weeks away from from coming back. But uh, yeah, that ten man rotation is gonna be gonna be interesting. And, I, and I'm very I'm very interested to see the freshmen in this game. I think you know Wendell Green said after the game he thought some of the young guys got their jitters out of the way. Um, in the exhibition, and now it's just hey, let's just play ball. Um, you've done it in front of the jungle. I think you know, the jungle was completely packed out almost. I mean, I would say probably like at least 90, 95% packed out for that exhibition. The rest of the seats, not as much. I'm expecting Monday night to be be different um, just because it's a game that counts. Um, but you've already gotten that out of the way. Trey Dawson played so well in the exhibition. Uh, Yoan Treor had really good flashes. Um, he wants to be a better rebounder. He wants to, be, he wants to play faster. That's what he said. After you know when we talked to him on Friday, he said, "I just got to play fast. So you know, I got to play faster. I got to rebound more." If he does that, um, I mean, he's a special dude that I think is gonna, is especially against some of these non-conference teams they play early. Now, Gaines and Aduro are dudes uh, down low, um, but there's gonna be some matchups I think earlier 
in the season where it's just going to be Trey Orr is still raw. He's not he's not a he's not a super polished product like a guy like um, you know Jabari Smith was last season. But it's just going to be like, oh yeah, I'm just bigger and faster, and, you know, <laughs> more athletic than you, and y'all are going to watch this. Um, it should be a really fun game, though. Should be a really fun game. I wouldn't be, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if George Mason comes in here and and really makes it a good game for most of the way. Um, and, and in fact, that might be what I expect. Uh, but um, it's just I think the depth, you know, just try to wear them down and uh, that effort. I mean, when this team's locked in, effort wise, energy wise, especially on defense, they're gonna be some they're gonna be some nightmare factories back there. But you know, it's it's. George Mason ain't gonna be afraid, right? They went into they went in Allen Fieldhouse and 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 gave Kansas a great game. Uh, they beat Maryland, which is a big deal, and they beat Georgia, which is less of a big deal, but it's still a big deal for for a lot of mid majors. Um, yeah, they've got they've got they've got some they got some fight to them early on, and uh, this is their big game this year. Um, I'm looking at it. Uh, their only other decent. They play Boston College on a neutral floor this year. They play Tulane on a neutral floor. They play Toledo, which is a top 100 team. They play, but that's it. I mean, this is this is you know last season they played Maryland and and Kansas and, and Georgia. This year Auburn's all you know they play Boston College, but like Auburn is their big like go get a scalp on the road game. So they are going to be all kinds of fired up for this one. Also interesting, seems like they didn't play an exhibition. According to their schedule, Bruce Pearl said we have no film on George Mason. This this team of George Mason, you just have to go off of what they had last season. Obviously, Auburn played three games in Israel uh, that were all televised on the SEC Network. Great for branding, uh, for scouting though, it uh, it helps the opponents pretty uh, pretty well. So that's going to be another interesting wrinkle. I would be surprised if if uh, Kim English tries some stuff and, and throws some stuff at uh, at Auburn that they might not be expecting because of that. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty good, pretty good matchup up tonight. What are you, what are you expecting to see? What are you wanting to see, Painter? What's, uh, what's, uh, what's catching your eye about this one? I think I said something to this effect uh, on one of our recent podcasts, but I'm just kind of holding out on KD and on uh, Jalen and on Dylan to see what their roles look like. And JD, uh, JD, uh, KD from from. Uh, what I gather, even though he didn't play great offensively, still made an impact on the court. Obviously, Jalen had um, an excellent game in terms of efficiency outside of the foul trouble. Dylan, not so much. Um, really want to see those three guys against what I think is a uh, competent, um, formidable opponent, but like still were better, more talented, more athletic, deeper. Like, uh, would like to see those guys play well. Three-point shooting, again, I don't have high hopes for this team, but would just like to see some competency there. Uh, Janai Broom, mm-hmm. uh, just want to see him look healthy, move around. He's been super good in the limited games we've seen him in. Um, yeah. I know, you know, he seemed to have that nagging injury in the exhibition. So hope that's not an issue because I'm super excited to see what he looks like when he's 100%. Uh, but, yeah, I think that the main thing I'm focusing on is those three role players and what they look like against a team that I would consider to be uh, fine competition, but uh, you know, I think we're better, and I'd like to see those three guys show that. Yeah, it's interesting. Auburn's playing the most, by far, I think the most interesting game of of the SEC teams on Monday night. Um, looking at it, um, Kentucky plays Howard, Tennessee plays Tennessee Tech, Arkansas plays North Dakota State, Alabama plays Longwood, 
Florida plays Stony Brook. LSU doesn't play UMKC until Wednesday. Missouri plays Southern Indiana. Uh, A&M plays Monroe. Ole Miss plays Alcorn State. State plays Mississippi State, that is, plays Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Oh, I take that back. No, Vanderbilt's playing Memphis. I take that back. That, that'll be a fun game. Um, Vanderbilt-Memphis uh, on Monday night. And South Carolina plays South Carolina State. And Georgia plays Western Carolina. So Auburn's got at least the second biggest SEC game on opening night. Um, all the rest of those teams that I mentioned, none of them are in the top 150. Um, on Ken Palm, George Mason is. Longwood's 166. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can hang around with Alabama. And I do just uh, I do one. just want to add, like, part of the reason that I went the direction of those three players is because you spent a good bit of time yeah. talking about Auburn's depth and how that is an advantage here. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see that bench and some critical role players for us look good in what I think is a matchup that should benefit them. Um, yeah, again, yeah. Bruce, with the sneaky good scheduling. Like, it's not going to be something that gets ESPN excited, but I think at the end of the year, George Mason will be a perfectly fine win to have on your resume. Yeah, and Bruce would give a lot of credit to Mike Burgermaster, who does a great job scheduling for Auburn, um, and uh, he, uh, he he does a great job uh, for that program. Um, a guy that m- many people might not know about a ton because he's not a he's not a not he's not Ira, he's not Wes, he's not um, he's not Stephen uh, in terms of assistant, but he does a ton for the program, and um, he's he's the scheduling guru there. Uh, and, and Auburn's got a tough one. Auburn's got a world tour that they're going up against this year. So, uh, it'll be, uh, the start on Monday night will be very, very interesting. Uh, before we go, um, wanted to get your thoughts, Painter. I saw the ending of the LSU Alabama game. I mean, talk about some, talk about some guts. Folks, we love going for two, don't we? Yeah. Auburn probably should have done that when they had Alabama in overtime last year, but huh? Well, Oh, well, um, I think Auburn's going to be better off for it in the long run, uh, as much as beating Alabama would have been cool. Um, if you're an Auburn fan, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, what Alabama having two losses at this point is interesting. It's very interesting. I have a, I have a friend of mine who's, um, who's an Alabama fan. I went to Alabama and, and, um, I saw him tweet, I saw him tweet this on, uh, on, during the game, and he was like, it's so weird. He's like, it feels like Alabama's got the best quarterback they've ever had, obviously, with the, Heis- with the Heisman. And, man, he had that wild play to, <laughs> you know, to go ahead in that game. Um, so much talent all across the board, he said. But it just feels like, comparatively speaking, from some other years, it's just the last couple of years have just kind of been grinded out for Alabama. And it's just been odd. It has been odd. And to see this team lose twice – I mean, I know Tennessee didn't get blown out against Georgia on on Saturday, but Georgia just like calmly said, "Nope, no, 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 <laughs> y'all, you're you're not there yet." Um, Georgia sort of did what Alabama did for so many years, which is keep another good team yes. at bay pretty much all game, and then there's yeah. like a, "Oh, are they gonna do it?" And it was like, "No, nah, Georgia's right here. They're better. They're gonna hold Tennessee, uh, get the stop when they need it. No worries, no sweats." Yeah, and LSU. I mean. I mean, teams obviously get better as the season goes on, but I mean, Auburn only gave up ten defensive, you know, ten offensive points to LSU, and to see Alabama, you know, get get scorched by Tennessee, and then and then have you know, obviously give up a good number of points and yards to LSU. It's just, it's so wild that that, that they're at that point, um, that they're at that point this year, and and um, but man, uh, look, 
I knew Brian Kelly was a great coach. I thought he was a weird and potentially bad fit at LSU. But again, like I've said this, I've been wrong about so many coaching searches in the past. I've been wrong about so many things that, you know, I'm tired of, I'm tired of giving hot takes. I'm tired of giving opinions because I'm really bad at them. Um, he's got those dudes playing and he's got them believing. Um, and, uh, yeah, they might win. They might win the West. They're in the they're in the driver's seat. I'll give myself a pat on the back for the for for not being as uh, skeptical of Brian Kelly as a lot of people. My my reasoning was always if Les Miles could win a national title at LSU, like Brian and, Kelly being and Ed Orgeron and Ed Orgeron, right? Um, being competent is something Brian Kelly certainly could do at LSU. And oh, yeah. and he's good. He's a good coach. And the other thing, he's a really good coach. With Alabama, I hesitate to be like, "Oh, the dynasty's over" because it's like, "Oh, this is still a very no. good team." Right? Like we're we're all very aware. It's a super talented team that's got a lot of good coaches. It does feel like they are reverting back to being mortal. Yes. At a time when George is looking a little bit more immortal and Tennessee's on the rise and LSU's back on the rise. You thought A and M was going to be on the rise, but that's not that's not happening at the moment. Ole Miss currently on the rise. You know, I mean, heck, I mean, we're only we're lo- we're less than a year removed from the fact that Auburn, with a backup quarterback, couldn't do anything on offense, almost beat them. And we don't know how so, long. I mean, it's just it's weird. we don't know how long Saban's going to coach there. He did re up that contract not too long ago. So you know, if you told me he was there for another five years and they won a national title, who would be surprised by that? But maybe we are finally entering a all. phase in this incredible run they've had where they're not just going to a national title every other season. Yeah, somebody pointed out in the mailbag on, on Friday, should the question be, can you beat Saban right now? It's like, can you beat Georgia right now? Because Kirby Smart's a lot younger than Nick Saban, and he's got that machine rolling. How about him after the game bragging about the fact that they didn't get a single transfer? I mean, this is all, it's all, it's all homework. And look, Obviously, use transfers. I think it would be kind of dumb not to use a transfer, but Georgia didn't need any, right? Yeah, if he wanted um, to go get one, I, I Alabama no got Jameer Gibbs. Could. Yeah, it's yeah. just a matter of recruiting yeah. so well that you're like, well, we'll just stick with what we have. Yeah, it's all homegrown at, the, at this point. It's just, yeah, I mean they're they're in a position where it's wild. I, I'm not surprised Tennessee had that. I mean Georgia's defense is just just so terrifying. They just are. Um, and when they're locked in and they're and they're playing really hard, it's just I thought Ari not a whole lot you can do about it. a good point, Ari Wasserman, you know, like he wondered at some point if Tennessee having the composite ranking they did might catch up with them against some of this upper echelon talent, and it may have to some extent when you're playing a team as yeah. well coached and as talented they're not as there Georgia. Yet. They're not there just yet. They're not 2019 LSU, but uh, they're still really they're still really dang good, and I don't think they're going to look like that. The rest of the season, um, and they might still get in the playoff from it. I mean, that's they're they're a really good, really good team. But uh, yeah, it was a wild weekend. Um, what else happened? Oh, Notre Dame kicked the tar out of Clemson. I, I I didn't see any plays from that. I just kept seeing score updates from it. Dabo took that one on the chin hard, and like Clemson's looked mortal the last couple years, obviously, but. Um, yeah. Well, you've talked some That's, this week about how important it is for a program like Auburn to have the right quarterback, and whenever it does, it puts itself in contention to win its conference, and uh, I think that's been especially true. DJ just hasn't been as good as Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson were, and so they tend to look a little bit closer to a program that isn't this elite 
thing that we got out of what Clemson for four or five seasons. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State looked weird in the wind against Northwestern, but they're going to be fine. Um, Shaping up would be a really fun finish. And yeah, like you said, Alabama looking mortal. Um, some shifting power structures in the SEC. The fact that we might get an LSU Georgia SEC title game—that's where we're trending right now—is just. It's pretty fun. I mean, like, look, LSU's always got talent, and the bounce-back ability is, is off the charts for a team when you have a baseline level of talent. I feel the same way. Auburn's going to be different, obviously, but, like, you know, I'm not – depending on who they get and depending on who they bring in the portal and all that, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's so many different directions they can go. But um, seeing what LSU's done, seeing what some of these – like, TCU's still undefeated – Seeing what some of these places have done here with with new coaches and and early on, it's just like I I'm not I'm not not sold to the fact that you're going to have to be doomed to a year zero. I do think depending on who the coach is and what happens with the with the roster, you may need to have some more patience, and those levels may vary. Uh, but I mean, I've watched I've watched an Auburn team that's taken a step back in so many ways, regressing in execution, regressing in on field play, regressing in recruiting. You know, I've watched them in crazy circumstances, almost beat Alabama, <laughs> you know, almost beat, uh, almost beat Mississippi state with a makeshift crew. Um, you know, get some wins, like beat, beat Ole Miss last season, beat, um, you know, beat Arkansas. Maybe, you know, they might have a chance to beat A&M this weekend with all their five stars. Like it's, it's going to be uh it's going to be a wild, wild finish, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Auburn's about to hit a new era of football with whoever their next head coach is in a landscape that isn't quite the same as what we thought it was going to be, maybe even at the beginning of the year. And with the playoff expanding and with the conference getting bigger, it's just it's just going to look different. And so, um, you know, everybody's going to have their opinion one way or another if they get the right hire or not, if they nail it or not. But I am of the opinion that they're going to be, you know, the right hire can get them back. motoring pretty quickly and even if it doesn't look like the right hire on paper I think Josh Heupel is a pretty good example of what you can do and and I know he lost yesterday but um, yeah there's 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 just uh, I think yesterday if you're an Auburn fan in a lot of different ways you you come away with you come away with more hope than you came in with it and um, you know not all these players that that gave you know, they spilled their guts and made key plays for Auburn on, on Saturday. Not all those guys. In fact, I think a lot of them are going to be here next year um, just because the NFL is, is going to be back, beckoning um, and, and, you know, things like that. But um, got to believe. It's what, it's what Cadillac said all week. Got to believe. Believe in Auburn. And um, I think I think they gave them plenty, plenty, folks plenty of reasons to believe in Auburn moving forward. Unless, of course, unless, of course, you have an agenda to push on a certain national network. But not me. Not me. All right, that's going to do it. That's going to do it. Um, appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody um, subscribing. It's been a crazy week, hectic week, tiring week, but a fun week, a good week. Um, good for good for the business, but also just good to, I mean, just having so much stuff to write about and talk about. Like I said, John Cohen gets introduced on Tuesday. Auburn plays basketball on Monday. I mean, we're going to have a lot of newsletters. We'll have a lot of podcasts. Uh, Painter, um, the folks at home are, are clamoring for another uh, Friends of the Program episode. Hopefully, y'all can get that done sometime in the near future. Uh, I was on the last one. Probably not going to be on this next one. Um, but um, 
but yeah, there's a there's there's a lot there's a, there, there there's a lot people want to talk about, and we'll have a ton of stuff. We'll have a ton of stuff here. Um, football newsletter on Monday, uh, basketball newsletter uh, observations on Tuesday. John Cohen um, stuff on Wednesday probably. We'll have podcast. I mean, we'll have a ton of stuff. Mailbag. Um, it's a perfect time if you're not subscribed to the Observer. I mean, this is a commercial for us, so I'm gonna say we're doing some good things. We're doing some fun stuff. We're doing some interesting things. So check that out. Um, we'll talk to the rest of y'all who are subscribers later in the week. We'll talk basketball and we'll look ahead to that Texas A&M game. Um, friends of the program, maybe at some point this week, but stay tuned to the newsletters and all that good stuff. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll talk to y'all later. Painter, what you got? Let's give Texas A&M a reason to send Jimbo on a long vacation. Cold. These hands are meant to hold